On today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, B. Scott from the B Block joins the show. And Houston Texan fans, now that Derek Stingley is a Houston Texan, get ready for all the ones to make it rain. We'll dive into all of that and what I mean by making those ones rain. But first, Cody, start the countdown. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNow.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off a $500 or more purchase. Use Locked On at the checkout. Cody Davis, John, some sports guy. Heck, man, hump day edition of the Locked On Texan podcast. And, of course, we will be joined by B. Scott over, uh, our friend over at 16 Sports Radio and the B Block podcast. More than a friend here at the show. More like a brother in sports here. Cody Number ones could possibly be making it rain in Houston. What do I mean by that? Yeah, if you guys have not had an opportunity to see the draft video, NFL.com released the draft video of, I think, the top 10 they started off. And, of course, at number three with the Houston Texans selecting um, Barry Stingley Jr., Lovey Smith was on the phone, and he told Stingley, I have a plan for you. And that plan is that he is going to be guarding the opposing team's top wide receiver for this upcoming 2022 season. Now, John, I I, I like that ideal because we are expecting Stingley to reach the pinnacle of a defensive back in the NFL. This is a young man, as we all know, he is coming to the Houston Texans with a lot of promise. However, John... Even though I like the idea, I think Stingley might have a tough time getting adjusted to the NFL, especially considering that a lot of these wide receivers, he's going to have to face them early on in the year. And really quick, I just want to go down some notable wide receivers that he's going to be going up against as a rookie. Of course, starting in the AFC South, which I don't think is going to be too much of a problem for him. Um, he's going to, he's going to be going up against... Um, Michael Pittman Jr., of course, wide receiver over at the Indianapolis Colts. Um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm taking it because they're paying him top dollars. Kristen Kirk, <laughs> yo, yo, one of your favorite players. Um, then, of course, um, Traylon Burst. I think that's going to be a really fun matchup to see two rookies, two rookies going up going, against yeah, each other. Yeah, that'll be fun. But that's just here in the AFC South. Other opponents... Like when the Texans go up against the Philadelphia Eagles, it's going to be a toss-up between um, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Of course, when you take a look at the Texans going up against the Dallas Cowboys, C.D. Lamb, the New York Giants, Kenny Galladay, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, my God. I hope this is an end-of-season contest. Devontae Adams, who? Miami going up against Tyreek Hill. John, I like the plan. To get his feet set early, I just hope that 
Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans have some type of backup plan because some of these wide receivers, they might give it to Derek Stingley in his first couple of games. Yeah, and you also failed to mention Keenan Allen, Mike Thomas. Chargers. That, uh, you know, the Chargers, that great duo that they have at wide receiver. Also, Jerry Judy for the Denver Broncos. You also look at Sutton out there for the Denver Broncos, and they also <laughs> now have – uh, Russell Wilson, who's going to be able to get them the ball if they're on the field and healthy, right? So for Derek Stingley, listen, one thing about a head coach is they're not going to put their player in a position where they are constantly failing and not making adjustments. You're also getting a rookie who, you know, as great of, of a potential we think he has in uh, Derek Stingley, he has missed some time in the last two years, right? So now he has mm -hmm. to get accustomed the NFL speed, listen, I, I don't doubt that Lovey Smith won't take his time and make sure that he's in the best situation so he can succeed. Drafted him third overall over a cornerback that some had better than him, so he had better come out and pan out to be great for the Houston Texans. But, you know, I, I wouldn't get really caught up in that number one, you know, game in and game out. I think a lot of this is about matchups. You're also looking at the zone scheme where if you're in my zone, I, I I take care of my zone. I am interested to see how much of a workload of number ones that they're going to put on Stingley to start the season off. But do I think that he's going to be following the number one receiver the entire game to start off his rookie career? Absolutely not. And if he does, well, that shows how confident they are in Stingley. But, no, I, like I said, I wouldn't really read too much into it. I think that's a great confidence booster. But you're hearing that from your new head coach coming in third drafted overall. But let's pump the brakes a little bit because he's going to be going up against guys that are faster than him, that are bigger than him, and in some cases faster and stronger than him. Give him some mm. time to work it out. And, John, this is why, you know, kind of going back to the trade of Lonnie Johnson, why it, it's so important for the Houston Texans to find corner number two. And as of right now, yeah. I mean, I really don't know who can take the role as corner number two. I mean, some of these guys, there's nothing the Houston Texans are going to be able to do with, or unless they just hope and pray that um, Derek Stingley just comes right in and just pick up the speed of the of the NFL really quick, and all of a sudden he's one of the top defensive backs. But, you know, corner number two is going to be very important, but when I take a look at a guy like Devontae Adams, when I take a look at C.D. Lamb in Dallas, when I take a look at Tyreek Hill, man, that that's going to be a tough matchup, not just for Stingley, but for the entire Houston Texans secondary. Absolutely, because you look at a Vegas Raider team that, and I hate saying Vegas, by the way. I know, right? I wish they were still in Oakland. Oakland! <laughs> if you look at the, the Raiders team, you got to go up against a Darren Waller who they can line up at outside at times. I right? didn't even think about that. You look at a Miami Dolphin team that acquired Tyreek Hill, well, they also still have um, Jalen Waddle out there, right, who was very good for them in that offense last season, one of the few bright spots. So, yeah, Houston – Fans, listen, pump the brakes on him being a right out of the gate, shut down, number one corner. Give him that opportunity and time, and which is why I think that for the remainder of his career, he's going to be compared to Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner will be compared to him three and four off the board right before each other, right after one another, and they're going to be connected for a very long time. Really quick, I do want to give you guys some Texan transactional news. 
Uh, Texans did cut offensive lineman Sam Cooper in addition to the defensive lineman Kingsley Kiki. And then the Texans also didn't assign uh, unrestricted free agent tenders. So the following players are no longer compensatable uh, free agents under the compensatory draft system. Danny Amendola, David Johnson, Hardy Nickerson, Chris Smith, Lane Taylor, Cole Turner, Demarcus Walker, and Eric Wilson. Both of that information is per Aaron Wilson um, over at the Pro Football Network. So I want to give you guys some updates on what's going on with the Houston Texans, their roster, and the future as well. Hey, listen, whether your mom, your wife, your girlfriend, your sister, whether they prefer statement pieces or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNow.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Now has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. And mark Mother's Day down. It's coming up. Mother's Day, you want to get your mom or your wife or the mom or your child, whatever, something special that screams classic, that screams beauty, right? Like a classic diamond stud earring, an elegant tenor bracelet. You definitely want to check out the Blue Now dot com and this mother's day moms are getting something and we want to give you guys something as well so this mother's day give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from bluenow.com and locked on sports listeners get 50 dollars off 500 or more this podcast exclusive is only good through mother's day use locked on that's code locked on plus every order is insured ships free arrives in a discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace at BlueNow.com today. Welcome back, Locked On Texan listeners and viewers out there. B. Scott over at B. Block and, of course, 16 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the show. It's been a while. The last time we discussed, we were gearing up for the NFL draft, and now that vast over and the Houston Texans at least to our eye and knowledge at this time, had a pretty good draft. We'll see how the draft picks play out, of course. Stingley, all the way down to Deckless. How was your initial thoughts once the draft ended in regards to the Houston Texans? Yeah, the, the best thing I think I can say, John and Cody, and I appreciate y'all for having me back, the best thing that I feel like I can say was that there wasn't a single pick that I had a major problem with or a gripe with my, my reaction to each pick ranged from a level of excitement and optimism and like, you know, way to go to, Oh, okay. Interesting. No problems with that. Let's see how that plays out. And we're really just talking about, let's just call it the first four picks. You know, the they ended up using two picks in the first, on Stingley and King and Green, Stingley being the number three overall, King and Green being the one uh, number 15 overall. They traded back from 13 to select King and Green. And then in the second round uh, at 37, Nick Casario talked about staying at 37, wanting to pick there, going with Jalen Petrie. And then several picks later, uh, trading up to get John Mechie. Now, uh, prior to that moment, earlier in that day, I was on Sports Radio 610 with Clint Sterner. 
And we were talking about George Pickens. Um, I, I had mentioned Christian Watson. We had kind of had our uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, George Pickens uh, out of Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. And so um, so we, we were talking about those guys as like kind of our ideal. We wanted size. We wanted, you know, somebody to kind of play that role that we sort of envisioned for Nico Collins, maybe on the most optimistic of size, but sort of trying to get a little bit more realistic in terms of what this talent pool was from the wide receiver position to what you could actually get in terms of value. So, so I'm saying that to say John Mechie wouldn't necessarily been my pick, but he was somebody that I was interested in on a long list of wide receivers that I would have been happy to get. So uh, I think he addresses a need uh, specifically in the slot. Um, I think that, uh, you know, given that he's healthy um, once he starts playing, that he could be a really important uh, yards after the catch guy. Um, we've heard Davis Mills talking about getting the ball in the playmakers' hands and letting them make plays. And every time he says that, like, like I love Davis Mills' mentality, no matter what varying degrees in which you believe in him. But when he says get the ball in the playmakers' hands and make plays, that's when I feel bad, the, the most bad for the guy, the worst for the guy. Because <laughs> I'm like, who are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, you're talking about, you're talking about Brandon Cooks, you know, and, and, and past that. I there's not a real discernible playmaker that I would have that I would have pointed out. So specifically at the top end of the draft, I was happy with what they did. I think Derek Stingley can be, if not a a, a lockdown corner, certainly the closest thing to it. The thing I like most about him is that he seems to have a nose for the ball. Uh, I never understood whatever narrative there was about him not tackling well or not being physical enough. Like he is a smart tackler he knows he's not the big he's not small but he's not the biggest guy in the world so he's not out there trying to like thump you he's he's going after your ankles as he should and he's doing it with great form um just about as good of a cornerback prospect as you could ask for and and, and the Kenyon green pick i loved more so because it, i didn't see it coming and it also addressed the need that i thought they needed to address but in a way that I'm glad that they didn't address it, which would have been by drafting Iki Aquanu or Evan Neal to play guard for a little bit until, you know, that dude's, you know, until you figure out your tackle situation and, and really just the musical chairs uh, dynamic of the offensive line. I feel like that can, we can dead that now. Uh, hmm. So I was glad that they did that. Even if I, even if I thought it was a little bit of a reach, the player works out. If he's a good player, then it's worth it. Uh, and I think he will be. Uh, even if that's not something I would have done, like the criticism there, right, would have been, hey, if you stayed at 13, Kyle Hamilton would have fell in your lap, hmm. you know. And then if you look at all of the players that were picked around Kenyon Green, from if you go from 13 with Jordan Davis being picked by the Eagles at 13 to Kyle Hamilton at 14 by the, by the, uh, by, by the Ravens, and then even the guys that were picked after Kenyon Green, the other the other uh, offensive lineman whose name I'm blanking on right now who was considered to be a better Johnson. There you go. Zion Johnson considered to be a better guard prospect was picked after him. So I do find it interesting. And, and I hope that Kenyon Green doesn't internalize what I'm about to say. Um, and I've said it already before, but I'm going to say it again. I think there's a lot of pressure on that kid, given on what they passed on to get him and everybody that was mm -hmm. selected around him. I think there is going to be some pressure on him to be really good. But I, I think he'll he'll meet it just fine and be and be pretty good. And Jalen Petrie might be one of my might might be my favorite pick of all of them, 
uh, not just because he went to Stafford and I, I, I spent a couple <laughs> of years at Stafford uh, coming up, going to school. Um, but also, I just think that he is probably overall just as a player, maybe maybe underrated or undervalued because of the, the position like like Kyle Hamilton got to get in that conversation as a safety because physically he just looks so different. And, and it is. I think just from a physical standpoint, I know the combine numbers uh, hurt him a little bit, but just from a physical standpoint, and then even as a prospect as well as an overall player, everyone had all these great things to say about Kyle Hamilton, and, and Jalen Petrie didn't necessarily fall in those, along those lines as a prospect, but I don't think he's far behind Kyle Hamilton, and to be able to pick up a guy like that, a position of need, quality player like that in the second round, um, I think it's really good. Everything else you get is a bonus. I think Christian Harris has a great chance to be an important, uh, more than likely weak side linebacker, will linebacker for uh, in Lovey Smith's system. Um, of course, Kama Grugier Hill is filling that role right now. They tout him for being able to play all of the linebacker positions, but I think this might be the actual guy. Uh, Damian Pierce addresses the running game, not the running back that I have my eye on, but somebody that I like when I watch his tape. Hmm. Uh, certainly love his personality when he talked to y'all, Cody. <laughs> um, that, that's somebody that's, uh, you know, if he doesn't work out as a player, that's fine. But he's going to always be all right with me uh, <laughs> talking the way he talking, kind of his whole disposition. So, I mean, you can go up and down. I know the later picks, Thomas Booker, uh, the defensive lineman, probably going to play inside and out. Uh, Tegan Pretoriano, I, I hope I'm saying that correctly, the tight end. Uh, we, you know, we'll see, right? Like once you get later on, and Austin Deculus, uh, you know, the the offensive lineman who was their last pick, you know, once you get later on there, anything you get from those guys, honestly, is a bonus. We saw a later pick last year in Roy Lopez be highly productive for them, so I'm not going to rule it out for these guys either. I'm just happy to have a full draft class and hmm. at the top end have some dudes that I think are actual dudes. Hmm. Um, Brian, then what, where is your level of confidence in Nick Casario and the Houston Texans as of right now, because, you know, looking at past draft class, um, even before we all got into business, I think we can always say there was nine times out of 10, the Texans will finish out up the draft and we'll be like, oh, well, you know, I guess if X, Y, and Z can play out, then they could be this, this type of player. But when I take a look at this whole entire 2022 draft class, I'm looking at this from a standpoint that this might be one of, if not the best way the Texans went about in filling all of the needs that they needed to fill. Yeah, I mean, Nick Casario has talked about the draft just being one piece of how you build a team, right, of the team-building formula. Obviously, we know that there are trades and free agency uh, that also factor into all of that. But to me, the draft should factor into how you go about those other things. Like, ideally, to me, the draft is a starting point, you know, an initial starting point of how you build your team because it's – it's the the draft and obviously the undrafted free agent. So let's 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 include that into one whole kind of kind of mix, even though those aren't guys you're, you're drafting. I think it's the same or I don't think it is the same research and, and the whatever literature and intelligence that you get on the players that you eventually sign as an undrafted free agent comes from your pre-draft process and your pre-draft and, and, and current draft evaluations. Right. 
So you're trying to figure all of that out. I think that so far the best thing that he's done is draft. Now, these players that he picked over the weekend, we don't know for sure what they're going to be. We've got projections. We've got ideas. We've got hope. I think that's maybe one of the biggest words among the Texas Texans fan base uh, over the last several days is hope because you feel like you have that uh, based off of how Nick Casario drafted. But I think that he does well with the draft, that he gets and understands the draft. Um, I liked what he did last year. And like I just explained to y'all in the last question that, you know, I feel good about what he's done this year. I feel like the best thing that he's done so far is draft. You know, I still think that the head coaching moves were curious and odd. Um, I still think some of the signings and some of the things that he did last year and building the team um, were a little odd. Uh, but they were to me, they were smaller in nature. Like, I don't think that there's a big move that he's screwed up yet. Um, now, the we can have a conversation about the Deshaun Watson trade and whether he should have got more out of that. And I think that's a fair conversation, but to only to a certain extent, you know, reality was what reality was there. And Deshaun was going to get traded at some point. Deshaun was going to be able to dictate where he was going to go. And because of those things, and because those things were well known and publicly well known, I think that that handicapped what they could get back uh, for Deshaun Watson. Uh, But in terms of just doing the job and, and, Control, not to use a cliche, but controlling the things that he could control. I think he's done a really good job of that. Um, and right now, uh, if you want to just be draft specific, I feel really, really good about him. I think that, you know, as they get more money and as, you know, things sort of develop over time and they're able to do more things um, in free agency and, you know, we'll see what the next polarizing Texans trade is. You know, we know that he's not a he's not afraid to trade either. Right. Like we saw him. I'm trying to remember if it was a third or a fifth that he traded for for Anthony Miller, uh, the slot receiver out of Chicago last year. I think year. it was a fifth. And, and, and that didn't. But I mean, so he just wiped he just wiped his, you know, his tail with a with a fifth on a player that was here just for a couple of months and, and didn't do much for you. Um, and I don't think he regressed that. You know, he was just kind of taking a swing and trying to bring a player in. Um, that move objectively failed. Um, and I don't feel like you can have a ton of those, um, but you're going to have some of those. And uh, and, and I, I just like the position that the Texans in are in, at least from an initial starting point with the draft. And, and we'll see how well he does with, uh, with free agency and with trades as time goes on. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. And Bill Bars are the perfect snack to take with you and your family on your family vacations. Hey, throw them in the bag. Throw them in your kid's backpack. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. And the best part about Bill Bars, most Bill Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and all of the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to build.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at built.com. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make Locked On NFL your second listen. The schedule may be dark but the NFL never stops, and Niza does Locked On NFL. Get insight and opinions from Locked On hosts, including Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, and Tony Wiggins, plus local 
Locked On NFL hopes repping all 32 squads. There's no off-season for real fans, so make sure you are subscribed to the Locked On NFL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Locked On Texans. As you guys can see, we have our friend of the podcast, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, before we talk about the other big news surrounding the Houston Texans, which was the trade of Lonnie Johnson, I do want to go back and talk about the draft class really quick. More so what, what John and myself opened the show with, and that was um, Lovey Smith telling Derek Stingley that he has a plan for him, and that plan was to um, guard the opposing team's best wide receiver. Brandon, when you hear that, do you or do you not think it's a little bit too soon for Lovey Smith and the Texans to throw Stingley to the Wolves, especially considering that this year's wide receiving core that the Texans are going to have to go up against? It's going to be kind of tough, man. Pretty hectic. Yeah, nah, uh, he's going to have some growing pains. And so I'm glad you're asking that question, actually, Cody, because with that, before my answer in full, I just want to say, or, or caution Texans fans to not panic if and when Stingley struggles at times with not just elite receivers, but just legitimate NFL wide receivers. I know you can see all of this tape out there on social media of his mm. battles with Jamar Chase, and, uh, Jamar Chase in college. And I know they had a lot of really good receivers at LSU when he played there. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I said earlier not just in, in his player evaluation, his tape, but like that background as well, I think is part of what makes him such a such an excellent cornerback prospect, you know, uh, before he mm-hmm. even steps on the field. I think like just if you're project, like if he doesn't work out, like I don't feel like that's going to be anybody else's fault for missing something or not seeing something. Like it'll be bad luck, circumstance, Stingley himself, right, has a lot to do with this. Like he's still got to go in there and put in the work. But – even if he doesn't work out, like it'll be there, there will be a reason for it that won't be, oh, we thought this guy was good and he wasn't, you know, that like that's not what, what it's going to be. To your question about is it too early on having him uh, shadow the best receiver? I thought part of that, a little bit of that was conjecture. And, and for the moment, you know, we're drafting a, a cornerback number three overall. You don't draft a cornerback number three overall if you don't view him in that way. Right. Like there's no point in even doing this exercise if you don't feel like he's that caliber, that level of player to begin with. Like, why are we here? So to so to some degree, I think it was just kind of meeting the moment. But there is some seriousness in it. And I'll say it like this, man, like he comes in and is immediately until proven otherwise, until he goes out there and shows us that he's not good or he's a bust or his foot hurts or he's not committed (laughs) to the game. Like all of these things that like whatever it is, like until that actually happens. He's the best cornerback on the team immediately. Yeah, immediately set, set go. Like this is I've compared him. I don't know if I've done this on this show, uh, because I don't feel like I've been around for us to talk Stingley a lot, but I've compared him uh, to or labeled him as the cornerback version of Trevor Lawrence. And what I mean by that is we've been talking about not listen, follow me. We've been talking about Stingley as a top prospect at his position since the moment we laid eyes on him there are a few players like that who as freshmen we start having the discussion and not even like a, a long time of freshman play like just after a couple of days guy shows up and we're like 
that dude's going to be the number one overall pick and or the top player at his position pick. You know, like like we talked about Stingley in a similar vein in the way that Trevor Lawrence, you guys remember how he was just for his entire college career, it was just automatically assumed that guy's going to be the number one overall pick whenever it happens. Mm -hmm. That's that's what's going to happen. Same thing with Stingley in terms of that guy's the best is the best cornerback in 2019's draft, 2020's draft, 2021's draft, this draft. Now I know there's a debate with sauce and, and, and that came up, but that's the way he's been talked about. So I don't think it's too early. Like that's what he was drafted for. That's what his job is going to be. Now with that, I would say a couple of things. I think the cover two could help him, you know, especially with good safety play if they get it. I think the cover two could help him a little bit. I'm not worried about him not being physical enough or whatever kind of concerns there might be with him in the cover two. And I think that it's not. So, again, I want to go back to the point that I made earlier about not getting panicked if and when he gets beat. You know, you need that short memory as a cornerback because you're going to get beat. Right. So I feel like he's going to be a guy that's going to kind of go in with a short memory, has that perfect cornerback mentality. Um, and yeah, man, I, I don't think it's too early at all for that to be the expectation. Would it be unfair to expect him to be a superstar right out the gate? Probably, probably. But he'll figure it out. Like Kareem Jackson was was atrocious his rookie year in 2010. But turned out to be a decent player. They had to move him to safety eventually. But like no one by the end of his tenure with the Texans, which lasted a really long time, eight or you know, eight years or so, no one by the end of that was like, man, they shouldn't have drafted Kareem Jackson in the first round because he got smoked as a as a rookie. Like no one talked like that. So I would I would implore a little bit of a, a little bit of patience, even though he is the number three overall pick, even though there is a sense of urgency to make this team better even though it is true that their cornerback play has been bad over the last few years and they desperately needed to address it. And they finally have. So he feels like a savior in some ways, but wait on it a little bit is what I would say before you get, you know, don't, don't get down too early. Well, that's the newcomer for the Houston Texans uh, at their cornerback position. Now we got to talk about the departure. The uh, what did he say? This isn't a farewell, more like a see you later. What was that about? Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> you're getting traded. You're getting traded. This ain't like well, well, those. well. Maybe to his defense, the Chiefs oh. are coming to in, inside NRG Stadium this year. So, you so maybe that's mean? what he meant. Maybe I mean? it's Lonnie Johnson. Who knows? What, what he, you call him, John? He, tweet through it. <laughs> tweet through he'll, it. Has finally seen it through. He don't even know if he's gonna play in that game. Like he need to go up there and make the team. Yeah. Like here's my here's been my objection a little bit to the whole Lonnie Johnson conversation. And I'm really talking to maybe some of my colleagues more so, you know, at, at Sports Radio 610 more so than y'all, because I haven't heard y'all make this case as much. But like, like I'm not discussing Lonnie Johnson as somebody even that was like for sure gonna make this team this year. Like, like I, I think he I was. He needed a very good camp. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I think he was but i think you know it's not like penciling lonnie johnson as like a dude that's competing with stephen nelson to, op to start opposite Derek stingley or pencil him in as depth i ain't penciling him in as nothing because i didn't feel like it was a, a a sure thing a guaranteed guaranteed thing that he would even make 
the team. For one thing, I, I still don't feel like they know or feel confident about what position he plays or what position he should play. I think because of the size and perceived physicality that would go with the size, they thought he would be a lot better off perceived because that turn, didn't turn out to be the case. They thought maybe he would go along better as a safety, especially given that he played corner and had some corner and coverage skills. Like that should be a natural transition for a guy that big with some athleticism and with some experience covering. It didn't translate. You move him back to corner and he looked, he looked all right at corner whenever they moved him back, but it's not like you're really watching anything special there. And, and you know, I feel like there's still some of the same concerns. Like you wouldn't have moved him to safety. They didn't move him to safety because they thought, and this was my glass half full view of him moving to safety at the time. But I think about this now in retrospect, they didn't move him there because they thought he could be such a great safety. They moved him there because they didn't think that he was a good cornerback. And then when you look at him being moved from safety back to cornerback, they didn't move him back to cornerback because they were like, you know what? This guy's going to be really – we made a huge mistake, and this guy's going to be a really, really good cornerback. We got to get him back there immediately. Now nah, they moved him back because they realized, you know what? He ain't a good safety either. So let's move him back to at least where he's comfortable and where he wants to be, the position he wants to play, and see what happens. And then the offseason plays out to where they draft a cornerback, and you know, an actual cornerback, number three overall, don't really have much use for him. He doesn't want to be here either. So, I mean – this this there's not a lot of drama here for me when it's when the breakup is mutual and don't other don't either side really have too much interest in the other no more. It's funny because ever since well he's been t- tweeting like crazy ever since the day one of a draft mm-hmm. after Houston Texans selected Derek Stingley and I mean maybe he felt um, you know some kind of way knowing that because you bringing in a generational corner in some people's eyes his position was already kind of questionable but it's so funny that he's like going on this farewell tour on twitter and nobody seems to care <laughs> bro the little the little <laughs> digital docuseries that he's doing i haven't checked a minute of it my I saw station, episode one man my station covers it but more you so what a docuseries. He created a YouTube it's, channel, it's and called, it's like the life of Lonnie Johnson. It's called Life of Lotto. He even put his nickname <laughs> in it there. Yep, and like, yeah, man, it's been a thing on the station. And like, credit to them because they're doing it more of kind of tongue in cheek, almost like, almost like a parody of it, right? Um, I think that I think they are uh, doing a satirical review of this web series that is not interesting not compelling and inconsequential because of who it's about so um so like subscribe to the youtube page my my man has and and i think again you need a little bit of this to be successful in that position but my man has a very self-inflated view of self and i i hope the best for him i have no reason to 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 wish ill on on lonnie johnson Mm -hmm. um like like i don't have any any words about him being a problem uh being unlikable amongst his teammates None of that. There's no issues. Like the, the guy just talks a lot. So like I, I mean, I don't follow him. So like I, I'll see his tweets come up when they come up, and I just don't think much of it because to me it's just not really much of a reason to, uh, quite honestly. But I, I do find it interesting that he's found it either necessary or prudent to 
draw attention to himself <laughs> and, and who, when, quite frankly, he's really just a nondescript kind of player. Like he had the three picks last year, uh, the first picks of his career, um, and, and and there was one in the preseason as well. That might have even been a pick six. Um, yeah, it was so against Dallas, I think. Against Dallas, yeah, I was there for that one. Like he's shown flashes of like having some ability and being able to play. So I, I wish him well. But, I mean, as of right now, he's just a guy to me that's fighting to stay in the league, fighting for a spot in the league, and and would be good if he kept that. Hmm. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media? And be sure to tell them about your podcast, because I'm pretty sure you will be releasing a new episode pretty soon. Yeah, man, I'm going to break down the draft a little bit later on in the week. We've been on a bit of a hiatus because of scheduling. But hmm. the B Block Podcast, man, subscribe, rate, and review. Because if you like Locked On Texans, you'll like the B Block Podcast. So go get that wherever you get your podcast. I would recommend uh, Spotify and Apple and Google Play is the best places to get it. But either way, if you follow me at Brandon K Scott on Twitter, you can always get it whenever it's out. So uh, so make sure you do that. And of course. I'm over at Sports Radio 610, just popping up whenever these days, man. <laughs> like, it could be any day where you turn on Sports Radio 610, 610 a.m. And, and catch your boy on there. Uh, I'm doing regular spots on Thursdays. Within yes, the sir. Um, so if you want to catch me out on a so more so of a regular and specifically talking Texans, and it could be some more Houston sports in there too, but do that at 11 on Sports Radio 610 within the loop. John Lopez, Landry Locker, Figgy Fig. Um, uh, I'm in, I'm in there with them. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's how you, uh, keep up with me. And I encourage y'all to do it, man. You know, I finally met Figgy Fig in person. Cool dude, man. Thank you guys yeah, for checking man. out the Locked On Texan podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Make sure you are running those subscriber numbers up on YouTube and follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12, uh, on Twitter. And I will be tweeting about Dr. Strange this week. And uh, Kendrick Lamar drops an album next week. So get ready. That Dr. Strange about to be wild, man. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. I already got my Dr. Strange tickets. I'm ready to go.